This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Millstone Brand Anti-Spirit Candles. For those who hear off-putting sounds up and down their manners grounds, chase away those creepy frights by trying out our waxy lights. Try Millstone Brand Anti-Spirit Candles today. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. Ground up, humory, stationary in motions, wigs and haberdashery, Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Dust Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. How are you doing tonight? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you, Mr. Jeff. And uh, Gladys gives her regards. She says, but not that many regards. Okay. <laughs> She's in a bad mood. She's always in a bad mood. Oh, aye, poor aye, aye. Gladys. You know, it's, <sighs> it's really a shame that we, there aren't any more bell specialists in northern Mississippi to be able to take care of what ails her. There's one of them listed in the yellow pages, and surprisingly, it was all scribbled out. I don't with a pen. I don't know why, but... Oh, you just dated yourself with the yellow pages. <laughs> oh, it's true it's true so uh we have a lot has happened in that does suit madam world has it not Mr. it Brandon? has indeed yes indeed mr brandon it has indeed we have heard <laughs> so much from our fellow fans the unanimous thank you for writing in and tweeting us and posting on facebook and leaving voicemails we've got a lot to get through i think that first off we need to involve our um, editing and mixing department in our northern Mississippi recording studios uh, because Mr. James had a great idea for a sound cue for whenever we have our moment of butch. Uh, and it's oh, yes. Mr. Mr. Humphreys on the phone saying menswear. I think that would menswear. be a great cue there. So, <laughs> so instead you know, of our moment of butch, we just have, or maybe, is it still called the moment of butch or do we just have like a, a sound effect for it now? I, I think we do have a sound effect. Put it on the keyboard. I, I do like sound effects, as, <laughs> as you may know, unanimous. Yes. Uh, Okay, that's great. So thanks for that. Uh, I will say it seems like the unanimous, the collective noun of the fans of the podcast, uh, are buzzing and like kind of slightly levitating maybe the full lotus position. They're just all a Twitter and a, an, a, an email. Is that a joke? <laughs> and um, emailing. <laughs> and, and a, a Facebook. <laughs> uh, but we got a lot of stuff back from, uh, from you, the unanimous. So thanks for that. Um, so Mr. JJ gave us a lot of golden nuggets, um, a lot of golden eggs from the goose. I don't know where that's going. Um, so he gave us some fan fiction. There's a lot of fan fiction between Mr. Spock and Captain Kirk. Yep. Some like homosexually romance things. Gay gasp. I know, right? And, um, but also... They do fan fiction for Are You Being Served? Again. So apparently they say, Mr. JJ has pointed us to some fan fiction. says, what if Millstone Manor was to be saved by an anonymous, rich benefactor? No, not Mrs. Havisham. <laughs> Thank you. A lot of great expectations. Um, but it turns out to be Mr. Lucas because he's kind of out of the scene. He's not in the series, right? Um, and then, of course, Mr. Rumbled and Captain Peacock would have to defer to Mr. Lucas. Wow. That would be, that would be some great, interesting read. I kind of want to read that. I don't know if they all have like a romantic tryst. I don't know if it's that kind of fanfic. <laughs> I don't know if it's that kind of fanfic, right? Can you <laughs> imagine like a little Lucas? If 
if Mr. Lucas and Mr. Rumbold were to be in a relationship, what, <laughs> I don't like, want to think about that. <laughs> what, but what would their name be? Like Benefer, what would their portmanteau name be? Like, oh my god, his name, uh, Mr. Lucas is Dick, and Mr. Rumbold is Cuthbert. So would it be? Like, I don't like where this is going at Duthbert? all. Duthbert. Okay. <laughs> John Bryan also pointed us to some other fanfic that has actually been written about what the shop staff would have done during lockdown and how they had to oh, practice man. different like decontamination scenarios and the hand sanitizing, the social distancing. So well done, oh, yeah, John yeah, Bryan, yeah. for pointing us to that. Um, but JJ, who gave us the idea for the uh, the Mr. Lucas as the benefactor, he has a lot of connections to Cluedo. And Unanimous, I don't know if you remember, but once upon a time, we were talking about what if Are You Being Served was set up in a board game like Clue or Cluedo. And so... There are some actual connections between the show and the Cluedo game. So, and we all know that you're quite a fan of Mr. of Cluedo, Mr. Jeff. Are we not, Mr. Jeff? We are. We are indeed, Mr. Brandon. Yeah, That's quite yeah. true. Um, Trevor Bannister played the inspector in the UK t- stage play. So they had a stage play where they brought in a new character to kind of act as the um, the Greek chorus or the narrator of the um, of the show of the. the so stage just a quick play. pause. In case you've been living under a rock like I have, Cluedo is the UK version of the Clue board game, right? Right. That's right. Uh, okay. Thank okay. you for clarifying that for our uh, 75% of our American fans. They, they don't have uh, Cluedo board games in the uh, Winn-Dixie here in northern Mississippi, so <laughs> I like to. Very you know. good geographical uh, location there. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, so there was a 90s TV show in the UK that was kind of like a, a British um, – quiz panel type show rather than like a um a reenactment or a murder mystery mm-hmm. type thing um joanna lumley played season four mrs peacock and we know that she is tied to the show not only as her uh representation uh, acting as the german wife and as the uh his and hers girl but also she was um jeremy lloyd's wife uh, so this is getting a little idea confusing. for the show mrs peacock the player in Clue, Cluedo, not Mrs. Peacock, Captain Peacock's That's correct. The blue, pa- the blue... Gets a little confusing. That's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and then Molly Sugden was the series two Mrs. White. Which um, I could see because she has white hair. And, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. well, that's cool. A little crossover there. Yeah. Um, I was also very impressed by Mr. JJ. Uh, so much, in fact, that Mr. Jeff and I uh, had a, a confab earlier today, and we decided to make Mr. JJ an honorary member of the That Does Suit Madam Research Department <laughs> as a free unpaid intern, of course, <laughs> um, because he, too made a spreadsheet about all of the different episodes of Already Being Served and who the, the, the kind of the episode was centered around, uh, which reminded me a lot of uh, and Mr. Jeff of himself, so we wanted to give him a little award there. You've all done um, very well. Yes, and both, both he and I have both done very well. Um, but apparently he found that Miss Brahms only had one episode that kind of focused around her, and that was Closed Circuit. The I was one with thinking, the, it, it, it was really yeah. timely that he mentioned that, because we were talking mm. about how Mr. Humphreys had uh, a certain number of episodes where he was the main character, and so did Mrs. Slocum. And yeah, and that's so what J.J. actually Peacock. mentioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Miss Brahms only had the one, yeah, where she but was... But we, we were um, talking about... It was when I was talking about with Are Being Served Again, um... Maybe it seems that the new series has more of a vehicle for Wendy Richard because she got off of EastEnders 
um, like they kind of killed her character off like a season so they could do it. So, yeah, but um, I, I thought you would appreciate that, Mr. Jeff, that he's I, a fellow I, spreadsheet. I did. I, I did indeed. And here's hoping that we do get more focus on uh, Miss Brahms in uh, the rest of the season and series two. Um, yeah. Mr. Rob, call, Mr. Rob from Boston called us out. Uh, we, Uh-oh. you know, we're really good about usually mentioning, uh, the bit players and where they're known from and what they've done in the past. And if they have any connection to Lloyd and Croft series. Well, in the episode where Captain Peacock was riding the lawnmower and he was stopped by that old money man, by Jove, what are you doing? Don't you know the council mows that? Oh, right. Driving a Bentley or something. That was right? Jeremy Lloyd <laughs> in the car. And we completely missed that altogether. What? I know. Oh, my God. Apparently, they, they couldn't find a landed gentry countryman, English uh, gentleman, to, to be a bit player. So he said, I'll, I'll drive my Bentley myself, apparently. I, but think yeah, we're, a, I think we're going to have to fire the rest of the research department. Now that we have Mr. Rob as our honorary remote, uh, uh, Mr. JJ well, as our honorary remote intern, uh, you know, they've got to do a better job. We There's did get a telegram. From, we did get a northern Mississippi telegram, telegram. this morning. Telegram. Saying, well, you know, it's, it's, it's retro kind of. But, Yellow know, pages kind of, and telegram. Uh, come on, man. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, we do have some intern uh, applications coming in. There might be an uh, interview later today, so we'll have to see. All right. Well, I'll keep my ears we'll, out. Yes. And uh, we always heard from our, our lovely first super fan, who was a co-host, uh, the lovely Miss Heidi. Hello. And she was kind of letting us know that BritBox, sometimes you can't really trust <laughs> the closed caption. You because always she was watching can't an episode. trust the closed the subtitles. Yeah, she was watching Happy Returns, but the closed captioning was, do you take this man? So that was oh, kind of confusing. Absolutely, that would be weird. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, hello, Ms. Heidi. We did hear, uh, we got an email from Mr. Gregory, who sent us, um, who pointed us to some Best of Are You Being Served videos uh, where John Inman dresses up as um, his mother, as Mrs. Humphreys. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so thank you very much, Mr. Gregory, yeah, for that. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, remember we asked the unanimous, do you have video of the John Inman PBS kind of things where he would dress up as John as uh, Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Humphreys? And so we, we had our calls answered. So thank you, uh, unanimous, specifically, Mr. Gregory. Yeah, and we got a voicemail from uh, Ms. Victoria from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, and she fast. wanted to know what happened to all the props on the show. And um, I, Ms. Victoria, if you, I don't know where you are in catching up with the podcast, but if you listen to our episode uh, from MadamCon, our live episode with two special guest stars, there was a special appearance by one of the props <laughs> <laughs> that is in Mr. Brandon's possession. Isn't that true, Mr. Brandon? Oh, yes. It's in the, well, it's here in the uh, the basement um, uh, time lock safe here at the uh, silo <laughs> compound of That Does Madam Podcast headquarters. Uh, laser, laser guided, uh, you know, alarm systems. Uh, yeah, it's the, <laughs> it's the, uh, what is it? The the cigarette ashtray, the ashtray from Mr. Rumble's office in the episode where Mr. Granger ascends to power mm-hmm. and it's got like a little galleon ship on it. And that's it. So it's just one of those weird eBay things that our conserv- conservation department uh, <laughs> stepped up and they, you know, procured it for future generations. But uh, yeah. thank you for the uh, voicemail from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, my favorite Canadian city and province to say. It's not Regina. Well, there's, did you know that there's a Brandon, Manitoba? So well, that should be my favorite. But I've heard that about I you. I like Saskatoon more. <laughs> Thanks again, Unanimous. Please continue to wear a mask where it makes sense. Wash your hands all the time. 
follow the news about what's happening with Ukraine, with Roe versus Wade, with um, gun control in the United States. And of course, as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. And you've all done very well. Mr. Brandon, What? Uh, why is the lift uh, behind your office opening up? Um, well, it's, I think it's the, uh, the, um, the reception intern saying, hold on, what? What did you say? Who? Okay. Uh, well, you know the red light's on, right, dear? We record? <laughs> uh, okay. All right, well, he insists that this is one of these intern people. Uh, insists on having her, her uh, interview today. So, you know, we do need more people in the research department. Uh, what do you say? I say let's just, let's just have her come in. We'll see if she can work for free. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Um, all right, what do you think, Mr. Jeff? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce superfan Miss Heather to the podcast. Yay! Hello, everyone. Hello, Miss Heather. Are you free, Miss Heather? I'm free. Well done. <laughs> so, tell us about your connection to the show. How did you come across Are You Being Served? Uh, PBS. Okay. Uh, Very common thread. Mm -hmm. And I, I will tell you this, Heather, our, our first task for you is if you can just go dash out and grab us some of those ice creams. Uh, <laughs> you hear the ice cream man outside, probably on I-40, just north of Miss Memphis. Uh, if you could just grab some of those for us, that's the first test. Do you All want right. SpongeBob or Patrick? Patrick. Oh. <laughs> All right, that alone makes me want to hire her for free right there. Um, so, you know, it's, we got your telegram saying you want to be one of our free unpaid interns uh, for that does suit Madam Silo headquarters. So thank you very much. Um, so are you one of the typical American people who watched Are You Being Served on PBS? Why did you like it? It's kind of a goofy show. No one's ever heard of it. What drew you to the show? I don't know. It's kind of a family thing. We all sort of watched it together when I was growing up. And as you get older, you drift away from everybody, and that just always brought us mm. all together. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's I, I think everyone who has applied to be an intern on the show slash superfan, um, they always kind of mention that they, you know, well, I think one of our co-worker, co-workers, co co-hosts, co-interns, <laughs> um, <laughs> co uh, watch it with their grandmother, and it seems to be like, yeah, one of the things that you watched is with your family, so it kind of brings you the warm and fuzzies. Which is sweet. And uh, I think, were you also the same intern who we tried to, we had an, our attorney speak with her attorneys, and there was a, a, an expectant mama who we were trying for marketing purposes to get her child to be named, that does suit madam, as like this ongoing like free marketing with her name thing. Are you the same person? And did you end up naming your child that does suit Madam? Because if so, our attorney has to like give you a check. Uh, yes, I am the same person, but no, I chose to go with Elizabeth instead. Oh, oh well, okay, frankly, like Betty Slocum. That's close enough. We'll take that. Yeah. So we'll we'll take credit for you know. It's, honestly, it saves us a lot of money. So thank you. Well, that. congratulations and welcome to the world, little Elizabeth. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for flying all the way down to uh, Northern Mississippi. I know. Uh, and then, of course, going to the Northern Mississippi bus line. It's there's no air conditioning. It's about 100 degrees, but you know, there's a there's a moist towelette if you want to freshen up. You know, <laughs> uh, down where Mr. Bill is in the uh, in the canteen, down those slippery stone stairs. So just be careful. Can I just have an alcohol wipe instead? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can have a gin and tonic for all that you've gone through <laughs> to get here. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, if you want to stick around, we're going to talk about the show. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if, since you're, you happen to be a, a fan, maybe you can kind of help us guide the, guide the podcast. What do you say? Potential intern Heather. Sure. 
Awesome. Okay. So, Mr. Mr. Jeff, as I, as I am off to say, what the hell are these people wasting their good-earned time listening to us yammer on about the show from 50 years ago that barely anyone remembers? What well, are we today, doing on this podcast today? Today we're going to be talking about Series 1, Episode 5 of Are You Being Served Again? A stroke of Grease and Favor, which is mm. things that go bump in the night. And it originally Ooh. premiered on February 7th, 1992. And okay. that week in the news, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart, it's I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. I, I mm. could not believe that that made it to number one. I remember it being a very novelty kind of one-hit wonder song. I bet he song couldn't it believe it out. either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do remember his his very tight, or was it loose, like a red oh, it was tight. Like, shirt. But it was like almost like a, a tank top, but they became strings over his shoulder. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, that stuck in my mind when I was uh, 11, 12 years old. <laughs> Go figure. At the top <laughs> of the UK singles chart for the third week in a row is Goodnight Girl by Wet Wet Wet. Still haven't heard the song. Our research department has not sent up the track for us to listen to. I do you no know idea. the song, Heather? Could you could you sing it? I do not do know, you know this it? song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm wondering if this is kind of a, an Easter egg that Mr. Jeff has been inserting into the show. It doesn't really exist. And he want, wants us to, like, call his bluff, but who knows. We also had the 16th Winter Olympic Games opening in Alberville, France. And okay. um, Dangerous Women, which was a U.S. syndicated soap that was based on the Australian soap Prisoner, or Prisoner Cell Block H, uh, aired its final episode after only one season. So whereas Prisoner had been on for, like, 12 years, 14 years, something like that in Australia, uh, the U.S. version only lasted one season. I wonder where I've heard that before. Hmm. Like lots of shows that go to the U.S. Like every and die almost a every death. other remake, right? Yeah, we've covered that extensively on the podcast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and also, the Maastricht Treaty was signed by twelve countries to uh, change the European Community to create the European Union. So it was the beginnings of the European Union. Just don't tell that to um, the, pr- the British Prime Minister, yeah, right. uh, Mr. <laughs> Boris. Eh, anyhow. So, um, this was a cool episode. Let's take us in. What happens when we first turn on our Brit box to this episode, Mr. Jeff? So, it's later that afternoon. We don't even get it <laughs> next day anymore. It's still yeah. later that afternoon. They're really stretching out this timetable, aren't they? Yeah, in the, scene, the, the entire first series is going to take place over the span of, I don't even want to say, I don't even think it's a week. I think it's like four days. <laughs> or like... Maybe it's all a dream. You know how they do that on TV uh, shows. Like, oh, it was all a dream. You know. And, and, and what is that called, Mr. Brandon? What is that literary um, device portmanteau, called? Portmanteau, uh, big toe. <laughs> well, let's see, how much, let's see how much Miss Heather has been paying attention to the podcast over the years. Do you remember what that literary device is called? Now, he likes to do this, Heather. He'll, he'll quiz you on a, on a thing like this. <laughs> when you've got like, someone the, the, that magically ends something like, it was all a dream. You know, when the god comes out of the machine, say, for example, in Latin. Mm. Oh, the only thing I think of is the Dallas version of this, where they actually did it. <laughs> That's on the true. Show. Oh, you didn't That's just true. ruin Dallas for me. I haven't watched that episode yet. I know it's from 1985, but uh, I know. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Deus ex machina. There you go. Ah, Congratulations, yes. Mr. Brandon. Well, you've all done very well. Thank you. Let me try. Um, Rebel calls, calls the entire staff downstairs with a fire gong, which he's already been admonished for. Uh, and we get a nice little I'm free from Mr. Humphreys, which, of course, gets a nice applause break from the, yeah, um, from so the audience, right? 
Um, they're complaining about the uh, about the state of the the manor that they need the money from the American tourists in order to repair. And uh, Mrs. Slocum makes reference. Oh no, Mr. Humphreys makes reference to a mouse uh, dashing into the dado, and I had never heard that word before either. Yeah. yeah. I thought at first it was um, a bad closed caption or a bad sub- subtitle, as we've already heard that BritBoxes want to do. Right, right. But yeah. actually, it's the British word for wainscoting. So if you imagine a wall with a chair rail, it's the part of the wall that's just below the chair rail. That's called a dado. Oh, dado. Okay. Yeah. I mean, why not have a different word for everything? You know, we speak the same language, but why not? You know. Yeah. Uh, with your lorries about- and your... And your lifts and your lollies. Uh, They're talking about what to do about the mouse, and Mrs. Silicon obviously has a great idea. I'll put my pussy in front of the hole, and he'll get a nasty shock. Um, Very early on for a pussy joke. And and how does it rate, Mr. Jeff, according to your algorithm? Why don't we ask Miss Heather how it rates about that as a a super fan, as our our visiting intern? I thought it was a bit on the nose for that one. But right. I did like Mr. Humphrey's response to it where he says that the mouse is going to commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll just jump on the trap. <laughs> yeah, he'll just jump on the trap, right? No. I don't know. I felt like okay. we were in Beatrice Potter. I could just see the mouse sitting there eating his little cheddar and looking through the mouse hole and just, like, committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he gets that oh. state of shock where, like, Mrs. Slocum wig stands on end and then oh, just goes to jump on the trap. Much like Mrs. Slocum jumped on the landmine on Clapham Common or to be underneath the American soldier. They can provide anything you want if you just ask them. Apparently. That's right. So yeah. they, they're trying to figure out who's going to play the roles of the staff for the picture that they need to take because the photographer is on his way at 6 o'clock. And eventually they get around to figuring out that they're actually going to need to be this staff because the American tourists are coming tomorrow. And uh, so Mr. Rumble tries to talk Peacock into being the head waiter. He plays right into his ego, saying it's an enormous yeah. position of power, and there's a lot of that going on. And we see Mr. Rumble again, you know, us talking about a physical comedy on an audio podcast. You know, yeah, great, right. And then they did. And then they did. He's got his hand on his hip in a very Mr. Humphreys-like pose, but it turns out that he's actually motioning for a tip. It was very oh, subtle yeah. the first time around. Shouldn't I be the head waiter? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I love so him. Rumbold's trying to get everyone to you know, understand that they're going to get tips because that's what Americans do. Now, if this was a bunch of German tourists who are coming over for Chairman Week Part 2, we yeah. might not get, you know, they may not get the tips. So I think this is a really good device to uh, help ploy them with money because even in their retirement, they still don't have any money and they'll do anything for some extra quid. And as Miss Brahms is wont to say, she wants to cop the lolly, you know. She's, that has been her catchphrase this entire ep, uh, series. It's she been says almost it the only twice. thing she's said so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miss Heather, have well. you ever worked a tipped job? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was a, um, I was a cater waiter. Uh, my very first job, 15 years old, was a cater waiter at a catering hall. Uh, and so we'd get, you know, p- p- pool tips at the end of the night. That ended pretty badly when I spilled a tureen of minestrone in the bride's grandmother's lap because somebody thought it was a bright idea to give an uncoordinated 15-year-old a big 25-gallon tureen of hot soup. <laughs> so I, I That's don't mean this, not a good time. I don't mean this to sound lurid, but Miss Heather, what did you used to do for tips? 
Wow. Well. <laughs> well. No, is it scene. is it legal in northern Mississippi to tell what it is? That's the question. Oh, well, boring old waitressing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a tough job, but you know, if you if you're a people person, I I think I'd love to be a waiter. You know, um, but you're on your feet all day though. My bunions, ugh, my bunions. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you could be a chambermaid or or like a waitress, like uh, Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms agreed to be. I thought I want to be the head waiter because of all because <laughs> that way Mr. Rembold was standing, but yeah. Uh, anyway. And we get Miss Brahms saying her first "I am unanimous in that" ever because that's usually oh, Slocum's yeah. line. And so that was interesting. It was very interesting because, you know, one of the things that we suspend disbelief about is that Mrs. Slocum really believes these malaprops that she gives. You know, she's the one in the series that's, that's prone to the malaprops or misuses of words. And now we've got Miss mm. Brown thinking that that's the correct usage in that. And she's going on to say it because she doesn't seem to be making fun of Mrs. Slocum or poking fun at her speech when she's doing that. She's genuinely agreeing her that she wants double the tips. But at this point, like, I'm free, I am unanimous in that, da-da-da. Uh, it's almost like they're magic phrases for these characters to say. So it's kind of interesting to see them being used by other people, right? Yeah, I agree. I think that was more of a gift for the audience than it yeah. was character development for Shirley Brahms. <laughs> Poor yeah. Wendy Richard. <laughs> she left a very very high-profile high vehicle to, like, kind of, like bop around and not really say too much but right. i do know in later episodes she does have a lot more screen time yeah. so that's good so we'll see what happens in series two right yeah yeah mr humphreys the barman looks up your street well i haven't been up that particular street in quite a very long time <laughs> great, <laughs> great great uh reaction there and mr still, humphreys still kind of keeping it under close to his chest you know still not really right saying anything but mr rumble says be sure to try his dykery and he pronounced it in such a weird way. I've never heard it said that way before. And I understand phonetically that's probably how it should be. But it's daiquiri, right? I'm not the only one. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it, it's just it was more popular in the States in the 90s than in the UK. Oh, maybe. And maybe they, they've never, maybe the actor didn't like, Nicholas Smith didn't know how to pronounce it. I don't know. If you're in maybe. the UK and you say daiquiri, let us know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Rumble suggests pulling the tips in a trunk, and here's uh, one of many examples in this episode alone where they use a French word in order to make it sound more elevated or in order to be more discreet, as we'll see a little a bit later on. Façon de parler, if you will. A, just a façon parler. So <laughs> trunk is from the French word for poor box. Like when you go into a church or house of worship and they're collecting alms for the poor, the poor box is called the trunk in French. And what it is, it's, it's a way to pull tips where the management is not responsible for divvying up the tips of everyone. The staff okay. collectively vote and elect a trunk master who will divvy out the tips as they've all agreed, whether it's equally across the board or, you know, the, the busboys get 5% while the waiter gets 10%, whatever Okay, that it is. makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a whole scheme that's available so that they can avoid uh, having to tax it and pay national insurance on it, etc., because if management took responsibility for it, or if it was like paid on the card or whatever, then they'd have to tax it. And what is the word crunk? It's no, trunk, T-R-O-N-C. Trunk. Not trunk. trunk, like the car, like a boot. But, right. Okay. Yeah. Eh, interesting. Um, 
They get ready for the photograph, and Mr. Humphreys is the first one down in the kitchen, and Mavis is admiring him all dressed Aww. up. It's very clear that she's got a romantic crush on him now. You know, I She think- is over the moon with Mr. Humphreys. She's, she's like 12 years old. She's so cute. I love it. I, I think that in past episodes, we could have easily dismissed it as being friendly, as kind of like that Somerset hospitality, if such a yeah. thing exists. Um, but the way that she fusses over him, especially the way that she defends him to Miss Lovelock, she's romantically interested in him. But I think mm. that she's naive enough not to understand that sleeping in the same bed with him to keep warm is you know, is maybe conflated with her romantic feelings for him. Miss, Miss Heather, what do, you, what do you think is you know, going on here with, uh, with Mavis? Am I, am I reading that right or am I way off base? With Mavis's character, I think that they really tried to make her and him a thing mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah, right. But I think everybody was just like, no, no, it's just no, <laughs> we're not. Well, speaking of fan fiction that uh, one of our super fans sent, us, sent over to us, um, I remember what I mentioned before, John Inman said in interviews at, on those PBS interviews in the 90s, um, if they had continued to make another season, they would have gotten married. And there's a lot of interesting fan fiction, hint, hint, that could come out of that. So if anyone likes to write, uh, when we, maybe we can, oh, you know what, I think I even mentioned this before. When we do the last Are You Being Served Again episode, we have to do an episode after that. So if someone wants to write a script and wants to, like, enact it as, like, a radio play. Oh, that's a great idea. Right? I claim Mr. Humphreys, first of all, okay? (laughs) Y'all back off. As if there was ever any (laughs) doubt. (laughs) All right. Uh, Anyway. So Mavis is telling Mr. Humphreys about the previous barman, Luigi. He was popular with all the girls and all the men as well. Uh, He was what you'd call an all-rounder. Great, uh, uh, great laugh track from the audience. Great laugh break from the audience. Great fourth wall breaking smirk from Mr. Humphreys as well. Uh, and so we see that he's going to start to take on this uh, persona of Luigi. uh, Okay. I've got a question. It's burning me, burning through my soul all rounder. It seems like, I think that's a cricket term, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is a sports term. But he, he was popular with the, with the women and the lads as well. Does that mean he was bi? No, or, it does not mean. It, it just means he was a friendly barman and everybody liked his drink. The, all, the all-rounder is a sporting term, which was double entendre for, you know, implying bisexual. that he was bisexual or pansexual. And um, who, does the, who does Mr. Humphreys remind you of? Uh, well, we don't get there quite yet. He oh, okay. doesn't, he doesn't do that quite yet. It's a little bit later on. But okay. for, for Brandon correctly identifying a sports term, I think that <gasps> qualifies as a moment of butch. <laughs> menswear okay did we do it right did we do it right i don't know i don't know i don't know Hold we'll on. see <coughs> oh my gracious it just really <laughs> killed my voice there anyway what were you saying so the rest of the staff come down in their uh uh serving attire uh mr peak uh, captain peacock comes down as the uh head waiter and his dicky is too short and keeps rolling up, right? We get, it, it, we get this several times throughout the episode where his false starched shirt uh, is just too short and doesn't stay in his vest or his whisket, um, and it just hits him in the head. We've come to the second part of the interview, Ms. Heather. 
Can you name which other episode in the original Are You Being Served series that Frank Thornton's character of Captain Peacock had the same issue with his rolling up dicky? You can't describe it. Are top hat and tails? <gasps> uh, Jeff, I don't know. What that <laughs> <means>. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of the episode where they had to um, pretend to be um, uh, the takeover, where he had to be Steve and the waiter, and oh, Lucas yeah. kept snapping his fingers at him, and there was um, Lavinia... And uh, I've lost Lady rounded about forty thousand pounds. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking? No, I'm thinking of the one where he actually wears it. And remember, he can Frank Thornton can actually dance. So the top hat and tails where they did the ballroom. He wears it correctly oh. in that episode. It's, Maybe you're right. Yeah. I believe that's what they do. Kind of them. recycle things, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, um, so okay, you fr- passed. Well, well done. <laughs> there are more tests to come, so stay sharp. So at six o'clock, the photographer comes. Uh, Mr. Maxwell is played by Paul Cooper, who was the uh, London calling radio voice on LLLO. And as our research department oh. was looking through this, I thought that he had been on the show before. Because I remember someone else. I remember specifically being the London calling voice on LLLO playing a bit part somewhere throughout the series. But I couldn't find it in our notes anywhere. Well, wasn't he on the episode maybe one or two prior like, to say, hey, thanks for hiring me. We're going to do well, a photo next week Well, Fro- Yeah, Frobisher, the travel agent, had been on before, but the guy who takes the pictures. Oh, yes, there. yes, yes. Yeah. He wasn't the guy who played the BBC announcer on the last episode. No, was because he? He, he was a real BBC announcer. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. They anyway. all kind of look, you know, the blonde well, look. Mr. Rumbold is talking this up. This picture will be circulated all over America. Well, Madonna better watch out. What a timely comeback for this show that is not anachronistic, that's not out of time. Because Madonna was at the height of her popularity in 92, and this is when um, uh, Dick Tracy came out, I believe. Oh my so, God, do you remember Dick Tracy? Oh. Yeah, because the, the Immaculate Collection came out in 91, so this would have, I think this would have been Dick Tracy era Madonna. Well, the re- the reason why I remember Immaculate Collection is because it is it is the first CD that I bought. It's not my first music that I acquired on my own. Oh, okay. Uh, but it is the first compact disc that I uh, that I bought. I wonder what kind of music uh, Mavis enjoyed listening to. You know, was it more of that Somerset Somerset music that uh, teasling music? In, of course, yeah, tinkling music. There you go, <laughs> teasling. Um, <laughs> Mr. Moulter, uh is going to be is going to be uh, for the picture. He's going to be the hall porter or the bellman. Yeah, and yeah. he says he feels a right turnip in this. Referring, I feel to a right suit. turnip in this. And so I thought that there was a lot to unpack here in that, right? Because you have, you know, what he meant by that was turnip as like in a vegetable. Which yeah. is a, a pretty non-politically correct way of saying someone who is mentally decapacitated. Like if they're in a coma or they're brain dead or whatever, right? Mm, but, okay. I, but I think that the thing that the rest of the audience would think about it is someone who fell off the turnip truck. You know, a, a, in that case, someone who's very rural. And so I think we've got this well, great he dichotomy is, of though, things isn't he? You are Blanche. And you he are, is. right? You are, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, and boy. so um, some of the things I learned about turnips from our marvelous research department is that um, if you've ever heard of um, in British 
uh, TVs or films or whatever, they refer to a swede, a vegetable, an S-W-E-D-E. Yeah. Uh, that's what we call a rutabaga in America. And they're not talking about ABBA, are they? No, not, not at all. I, I always, for some reason, thought it was some kind of potato, but they're talking about a rutabaga. And yeah. it tur- turns out that jicama and daikon, um, so jicama is um, that kind of sliced fruit that you sometimes see in um, tacos sometimes, comes up yeah. from yeah, top yeah. to tacos. And then daikon is what we call white radish. Uh, it's in Japanese food and on Vietnamese bun mi sandwiches. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. actually technically both turnips. They're part of the turnip family. Who knew turnips could be so fun? <laughs> that is not qualified for a moment of much moment. I don't, I I'm giving so. a Mrs. Slocum wry smile. <laughs> a wry smile. Uh, Mr. Moulter is pulling the goofiest poses just to get a, a, a laugh out of the audience when he's trying to take a picture because he's not used to having his picture and taken. he says, I'll let a flood of emotion flood over me and you just let me know when to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Uh, Mr. Humphreys is trying to pose and he's like leaning on the banister. He's leaning on the finial on top of the banister. <laughs> and Mr. Rumbles tells him, it would be better without your hand on the knob. And he takes his hands out of his pocket, which was so slight but it's that brilliant physical comedy with the uh, subtle of nuance that John Inman does that cracks uh, everyone it. up. So then, you see, his, his le- let me think. His left hand is in his pocket. His right hand is on like the finial, looks, which looks like an acorn. Yeah. And then the guy <laughs> says, "Take your hand off the knob." So he takes his left hand out of his pocket, and then he looks at it, and then he looks at his right hand on the knob, <laughs> and then takes that off, and he realizes, "I don't know what to do with my hands," so he just clasps them together. <laughs> <laughs> In that Mr. Humphreys way. I love it. Oh, so, God. So we're about halfway the up through the episode, and we still haven't come across anything that goes bump in the night. Much like um, every other episode, yeah. the first half is so much exposition, and then it's in the last five minutes that we actually get to whatever the, the drama that the title revolves around well we did get to sit we didn't even talk about mrs slocum and miss brahms's um maid uniforms and um how they look like they're like french maids from like the 60s or something with like lots of petticoats or the things that fr- that push out the the edge of the skirt you know well this um, is this is so another cute. recycled visual bit remember the episode where they had to uh where they had to dance the ballet and they came out wearing the fluorescent tutus, and Mrs. Slocum oh, yeah. couldn't sit down in it because it exposed her petticoat. It was yeah. the same exact thing when they sat down on the stairs. Yeah, there's a lot of recycled stuff here, but again, you know, it's a different generation. You know, we talked about before, these folks didn't have, I mean, now they did in 1992, they had VCRs. But if you had a joke from 1973, there were no VCRs. No people one's going to remember, jokes, yeah. Except... 40 years later when people find it on the internet and invent something called a podcast and like <laughs> criticize every little fucking joke. Anyway, but yeah. um, I tell you, the third test, Ms. Heather, is to um, make us tea in three minutes flat. Do you, do you feel you're up to the challenge? One lump or it's two. It's the third test. <laughs> two. Oh, I like her. She's good. Okay. So if you can just go down those slippery steps, it's that curving old ye olde castle type stone staircase that kind of curves. Uh, there's a little sign that Mr. Bill put there that says, uh, watch your feet wet floor. Just uh, avoid that. 
um, all the way to Health the bottom. Health and safety are number one at the Northern Mississippi. Oh yes, you know we got yes. we got a lawsuit last week. We had a whole thing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so why don't you go make us some tea? Uh, we'll see what the chef is, uh, what the manageress is serving. I'm a little peckish. So why don't we go down to the canteen and we'll be right back. Guys, um, I didn't see any OSHA violations in the canteen, so <laughs> we are okay for the moment. But, you know, wet floor signs. Keyword, the moment. Wet floor signs. <laughs> You know, we actually imported, I mean, we didn't have a castle when we had this compound made. We actually imported those giant slabs from this, like, dungeon-esque kind of place in the north of England somewhere. So they're authentic. So you got, you know, OSHA has to keep that in mind. Thank you very much. But was everything good? Was the tea good? Um, the two lumps were okay. Earl Grey was a little too gray, less Earl than I prefer. But, you know. Um, the, the, um, sausage roll from Greg's that you had imported over was a nice touch. Um, what did you have, Mr. Jeff? Um, I actually had some turnips. They were left over from Mavis's lunch. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, they left a lot to be decided. Maybe they're daikon uh, or hikama. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just a root, maybe it was just a big sweet. I asked for a sweet and I got something completely different. But. You got an ABBA CD, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, ABBA. So um, I think, Mr. Jeff, maybe we can just say we're going we're to keep you on, Heather, if you agree to work for free. No room, no board, no benefits, but you get to kind of like hang out at the compound. What do you say? Uh, I guess, you know, provided with the... With the <laughs> I have nothing else wet, to do. With the wet floor signs added. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll add another sign just so you stay on, okay? There you go. All so right. good. So, Mr. Jeff, where were we in the episode? Mr. Rumble tells Miss Lovelock, who comes down the stairs, that they're taking the photos for the brochure. Uh, and they, uh, she wonders why she wasn't asked to participate in the, either the photos or being staffed. Well, you know, they think you're um, above... Oh, no, sorry. Mavis is telling her this. Yeah. Uh, they think you're above that sort of thing because you live in the private quarters above the stables. And this is where she starts to defend Mr. Humphreys because she's got her sights on Captain Peacock and thinks that there's a little... She, Mavis picks up on that romantic interest, but thinks he's a little bit of a lech. Like, for a naive country girl, she could pick up on that right away, which is pretty good. Uh, and as Miss Lovelock leaves, she sticks her tongue... Uh, she sticks her tongue out at her, like, gives her a little tease, uh, which I thought was great to see a little bit of more character development from Mavis. But it was so in her character to do that, right? She wouldn't say anything nasty to her face because it's, you always have to be nice, and she would probably have, like, a little fable or a little saying like um this is i guess a couple of years before uh forrest gump like nice is as nice was or i don't know something like that right <laughs> stupid is as stupid was or does i don't remember now they anyway. start to make a plan for when the american tourists arrive and this is where miss lovelock butts in because she, as mr grace's personal companion she's been in, a guest in some of the finest hotels in the world Ew. so she knows a thing or two about good service um, uh, Ms. Slocum makes a joke that she's probably given some of her best performances in the hotels, <laughs> you know, the kind of, a uh, character moral she has. And so they decide to have Miss Lovelock act as a guest so they could role play. So this is something that the team, the staff does really well together. Yeah. They've done a ton of role plays in their after work conferences back at the shop. They, it, it, it's comedy for us and they're great at it. Um, Moulter actually is going to be the bellboy or the hall porter when uh, the American tourists arrive. Um, 
And this is where Mr. Humphreys starts to really bring on the Luigi the Barman persona. Oh, and it sounds right, so right. much like uh, Tony, the Italian gangster from um, The Hold Up. You episode. don't speak to my mama that way. Right. I got everything you want. I, got, I make it the long drink, I make it a soft drink, right? Um, long drink, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's um, cocktail. It's alcoholic. It's anything that's served in a Tom Collins glass. So if you imagine a tall cylinder, about 12 or 14 ounces or so, those are long drinks. Um, as opposed to soft drinks, which are made without alcohol and served in a highball glass. Never heard of them. Sometimes, Heather, sometimes jokes I say really fall flat, and I just edit the shit out of that. So that's, that's what I'm going to do right there. <laughs> um, so they're doing the role play, and I think this is the first time for me that Mr. Moulterd has stolen the scene. I know. By chewing on the scenery. Because he is so rural that he doesn't understand the concept of the role play, and he actually goes out to look for the car and the bags <laughs> that, yeah. quote-unquote, Miss Lovelock, the guest, uh, has arrived in. And then he mimes carrying them up the stairs like the hunchback of Notre Dame. The bells, the bells, right? Which I guess is from um, the movie. And I love how, like, he's got... He's kind of stumped over. He looks like a hunchback. And then someone says, Mr. Moulterd, what are you doing? And he, of course, in that lovely... Um, Molterdian way, Molterdian, is that a word? Um, <laughs> he shouts, he doesn't speak, he shouts so loud, like country people apparently do. I got one big bag out of one small bag, you know, which is Because of so course cute. he does, that's what Miss Lovelock would have brought. Um, <laughs> he's He's been funny this whole time, but yeah. I roared watching <laughs> him do this, so... Did you guys yeah. get the vibe from this, like the, uh, the horror of the cliche horror that they're going for like with captain peacock coming down the stairs when he has his dicky holding it down like a very igor creeping down the staircase and then him oh. with the, the, the biz the biz like the very young frankenstein uh, horror element to maybe it. actually that's a good point because you know in the later part of the episode it gets a bit spooky well as much as they can so maybe that was kind of a little bit of a hint. That's a really Ooh. good idea. That that kind of set up to lead up to dare I say the last a hot take, chaos. Miss Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to impress on her first day. Miss Lovelock takes one look at uh, Slocum and Brahms dressed up as the French maid and says, "Are those the skivvies?" <laughs> and that caught me by surprise because in the U.S., uh, it's um, that's what we use. For, it means underwear. And yeah, in Australia, it it's a long-sleeved T-shirt, whereas in the UK, it means anyone who is a meal domestic servant. Aw, the skivvies. Yeah. Okay. Three countries, three different words. Go figure. Miss Lovelock uh, says that they've casted uh, the staffing all wrong. She's going to do the reception because Mr. Rumbold has introduced all the staff, which doesn't need to happen. They, they need to be behind the scenes as much as possible, which is true. That's what happens in hotels. You don't meet... You're not introduced by name to your to the the, the the person who's making up your room at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, it sounds right? like something you would do if you're like not quite the queen, but like a couple steps below. You know, like when you like when you watch um, Downton Abbey and like the family comes home, everyone stands outside in a line. Um, I don't know, it just seems like a kind of an old fashioned thing to do. So Lovelock recasts the entire thing. Rumbold is going to be the porter. Uh, Peacock is going to be the manager. Mr. Humphreys is going to be the head waiter. Brahms is going to be the barmaid, and Slocum is going to be in charge of the waitress uh, position, the bedrooms, and the kitchen. Okay. Um, she 
she Miss Lovelock tells Mrs. Slocum to keep out of sight because she's <gasps> past it, you know, and she's no. not. She doesn't look very good in the uh, in the uniform. And that women and that women her age should not wear skirts that short. Skirts that short, right? We get a command performance from oh. Molly Sugden uh, in uh, her her half trying, half mumbling, oh, where she can only manage to like my. make out the important words, right? God, her lip starts to tremble. She does that little like uh, Betty age six kind of thing, where she's like yeah. p- pitiful and so sad. It was oh my god, I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> You know, she, you know, she very clearly says, you know, I, I, that was rather cruel. I thought that I looked rather nice. And then she just melts down and we just hear, rotten bitch. <laughs> <laughs> As the first joke of the mumble, I think that was a great way to set it up, right? Okay. Usually, Another, okay. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt. This is, no, we have to do business take, now. Business. We have to do business, Mr. Jeff. Okay. Ms. Heather. The fourth step of your application. I, I lie when we say you're higher. There's a there's a pop quiz. <laughs> Which episode of the original Are You Being Served episodes did Mrs. Slocum also call someone a bitch? You know this. Oh sh. Ah, I don't remember Mrs. Slocum calling anybody that. I do remember the um. Oh, you're so the right. The lady. Uh, uh, it was the makeup lady. Trick from, question. Um, you got it. Woohoo! <laughs> Which episode is that? Do you remember? Uh, Mrs. Slocum takes charge. I, it's, it's something like that. Up, Mrs. Slocum, something to that extent. Mrs. Yeah, Slocum, senior yeah. person. Yes. Ah. Yep. Okay. See, that was it was a trick question, and you got it. You, you're you're so. We might even give you like free tea now. Like you know, you're so good. Wait, so, I have to pay <laughs> you were getting water before. Now you can put a tea bag in there. Okay. You gotta put twenty pence in the in the in the in the trunk. In the trunk. Oh, does that mean I have? <laughs> So I'm going to have to oh use God. the old tea bags that, that's gone around maintenance already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get, well, you, it's, it's because of economy cuts, Mr. Um, oh, what's his name from, from maintenance? Um, Mr. Mr. Harmon said, do you want lump, one dunk or two? And he puts it in for two seconds. <laughs> oh, two. Seconds. I like it strong. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we do use pence and pounds here at the compound. We forgot to tell you. Makes making change very difficult. You're not a distant paycheck. We'll be paid in, in pounds and Yes, we forgot to tell you that. Oh, well, that's my two cents gone. <laughs> ding, ding. She's a sharp cookie, Mr. this one. Mr. Brandon, it's very timely that you brought that up. You know, because mm. as much as they, um, you know, in, in this particular series, they don't swear a lot. They make a lot of double entendres, but yeah. every once in a while we'll get a damn. And, you know, I think, I think these have been the only two bitches that we've heard so far. But... Bitch is still a very taboo word in uh, on British television. Um, you know, you you, you get um, you, you get TV shows after the watershed. Well, they'll regularly curse and you know sometimes drop an f bomb. But um, you know, crossing over into other British shows, uh, this past week on EastEnders, um, Sharon called Janine um, a bitch because Janine. Uh, caused a car accident and pulled the passenger into the driver's seat to make it look like she was driving instead of Janine. Okay. Sharon knows about it. And, like, you know, Janine's been up to all sorts of other uh, uh, schemes and problems. And it caused a lot of um, furor on the online forums hmm. um, reporting about it that, you know, British television is getting so um, so crude these days because 
she, you know, this character Sharon said the word bitch on a show that starts at 7.30 p.m. Well, you know, it's funny, yeah, because when we watched, of course, we're all Americans here, and when we watched um, Are You Being Served, the episode where, you know, Miss Cumlozy, who I love her accent, she's like, we have Turkish, Turkish, and we have carbonics, (laughs) and I just love the way she speaks. Um, But then, like, she calls Mrs. Slocum a silly old bitch, and... Uh, you know, like I, we, that's one thing with the podcast. We always try to be very sensitive to, to name calling and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that was what 1973. So they've been saying it for what 50 years now, 48 something. Um, anyway, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still a very um, bombastic word. Yeah in, yeah, in British culture, whereas if you were to say that on. American primetime television, people really wouldn't bat an eye. You know, if, even if you were to say that on a soap opera, which airs in late afternoon, no one would bat an eye. That that word's not really bombastic anymore, um, just in general culture. Yeah, and you also, if you yeah. if you look at FaceTime or um, fa- Facebook uh, Live, what are those called? The Reels on Facebook or mm-hmm. anything like Instagram that. Instagram stories yeah, or TikToks. Yeah, they don't, you can't type a curse word you have to like if you say the word fuck because we have an explicit thing on our on our our podcast we can say fuck but if you were to write it on something like facebook or instagram you have to like italicize two of the letters or something you have to you censor can't say it, yeah. sex you can't say the word suicide you can't say all of these different things um maybe they don't do that in the uk i don't know interesting oh i'm saying so Miss so Mrs. Slocum is like half crying, half speaking, and Miss Brahms goes to pour her a brandy mm. to calm her nerves. And she's got a big oversized brandy balloon, and she's pouring the brandy. Say when, and Miss Brahms stops, <laughs> and Miss Slocum stops crying to intelligibly say, "I haven't said when." Yeah, I love she it. wants more. I love great. how Mrs. Slocum says. I, I remember this from when I was like twelve or thirteen. The way she says that little. Run, bitch! Somebody had to win the war. I remember. <laughs> to win the war. I know. Like, what does that mean? And I love how she says, "I thought that was rather cruel." Because <laughs> she sounds like a little girl. She sounds like Alice, age six, right from that episode yep. where she gets bonked in the head with a golf ball. Cruel. No. <laughs> so cute. And just just as she's starting to regain her composure, Mister Moulter says. Well, I haven't seen her that upset since 1942 when I thought I put her in the family way. Oh, my God. Which, of course, means pregnant, which is a very old-fashioned English way of saying pregnant. But, you know, back then they didn't say things like that in 1942. Yeah. Oh, the look on her face. She was going to kill him. Yeah, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. This is a fabulous. No, she is tearing away the, all of the scenery, all of the other actors and stuff in the scene. Molly Sugda and such a good scene with her. That's the thing yeah. with the series, this, 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 this sequel, I guess. It's like building things up for Mr. Humphreys to have like the crying scene with Mavis over, over um, cutting onions. The onions, yeah. And then this scene with her and <laughs> for Mrs. Slocum. So good, love it. So cute. I f- I f- I, we're almost at the end of the episode, and usually we wait until the end to, you know, kind of Monday morning quarterback it. Yeah. Moment of Butch. Um, but Men's I wear. feel like the entire series has been building uh, up to this point, right? Where we finally see um, these two characters pulling out all the stops, <laughs> doing what they do best yeah. in their hyperactive, 
overacting moments, right? Which makes me think um, maybe with Captain Peacock in the next couple of episodes, we see him do something very Peacockian, you know? And um, yeah, so there's there's other talents in this in the cast. We'll have to see what happens. Right. So we cut to the nighttime, and it's thundering and raining outside, uh, <laughs> and the li- the lights go out. So it's still we're still pretty unresolved how they got on with their new roles. If they ever role-played with Miss Lovelock in those roles, are they happy in those roles? Besides Mrs. Slocum, we obviously know that she's not. But um, they don't really know what they're going to do when the Americans arrive tomorrow. We just have conveniently forgotten about that. So we can get to the part where things go bump in the night when it's a dark and stormy night and it's thundering and raining, right? Um, Mrs. Slocum says she has some matches in her portmanteau. Uh, and I, I knew I, I, there was a reason I was saying that word earlier today. Uh, so it's, um, it's from the French words for carry a coat, port to carry and manteau for coat. And, um, in the UK, they use that for like a suitcase, a small suitcase, but oh, okay. it's also used for when you combine two words to parts of two words together to make a new word. So for example, brunch which is breakfast plus lunch becomes brunch or ankle plus bracelet becomes anklet. Oh, right. Oh, I see. And you love those like we were saying words, earlier, don't you? Like we were saying earlier, Dick plus Cuthbert becomes Duthbert. And that's their <laughs> relationship portmanteau name, right? Mm, that's a whole other entry on the urban dictionary we need to delete right now. I don't know. What I want a saying? Disney character named that. I want a Disney <laughs> duck named Duckbert. <laughs> <Duff>. <laughs> he could be uh, Uncle Scrooge McDuck's like fourth lost nephew, right? Oh, or long lost so cousin or something. Or like, oh, you know, you know what it would be? It would be like when Cousin Oliver came in and jumped the shark on the Brady Bunch. It would be like the little nerdy cousin duck that would come in. That would be Duckbert. <laughs> yes, yes. And he'd be dusty or something. So what's cool about Are You Being Served Again is that we have the... Uh, real-life kitty cat at Tiddles. Um, not in this scene. I don't think we actually see her. We don't but, see her this episode, no. But apparently it's it's scary, and Mrs. Slocum is so scared, and, oh, I don't like to be alone and during a storm. Miss Brahms, come in and, and keep me company, da-da-da. And then um, she realizes Tiddles isn't in the bed, in the bedroom. She, she wants to cuddle with her cat. And she's like, uh, oh, I, I, he must have been, she must have been running around. So then Captain Peacock barges in with a a, 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 a little um, candle. And, of course, everyone screams, and it's sort of silly. Uh, but she says to Captain Peacock, Have you seen my pussy, Captain Peacock? And then everyone laughs. And then, the, and then Captain Peacock says, No, not recently. Deadpan. Deadpan. Like the thing, like that Frank Thorne does so well. Yeah. He does not react and believes that her double entendres are are true, right? So then we get a very Scooby Doo like um, uh, scene that goes on where they're going around the, the mansion in the dark, holding candles, trying to find Tiddles. And they're trying to follow the, follow the sound of her meows, and there's creaking footsteps, and they're all surprised by people coming out of rooms. And, you know, the next thing I know, I thought someone's going to, like, pull a pillowcase off someone's head. Oh, it was young Mr. Grace all along, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're, Mr. Rumbold is really the, the kind of the foil in this, right? Because he gets trapped behind his secret door. And at the end, he like he's the way he's holding his candle, it lights up his face in a very ghastly way. And, and of course, he's a kind of a ghastly-looking guy, honestly, right. a little bit. Love you, Nicholas Smith, but, you know. Right. 
Yeah. Did anybody um, else see the Game of Thrones heads when you looked at him in the in the little secret passage for a minute? Like season four, when she uh, when she goes to do train, like all the heads and the different faces, the many faces. Oh yeah, and it, was just it like, did look like that a little bit. Couldn't you just oh, see yeah. him up there? <laughs> you mean Arya when she goes to like the the house of the many faces or something? Yes. Oh my God, that's right. Wow, that's a hot take. I, wa- I wonder. I wonder if the creators of the Game of Thrones TV series <laughs> were taking inspiration from this scene. It all goes back to are you being served somehow? <laughs> right. Mavis oh, was God. telling Mr. Humphreys about uh, that. There's a uh, a supernatural rumor uh, about the the hotel that or the manor that there's something that lurks about at night when it's creaking. Mm-hmm. Mr. Moulter knows this too, and just having heard. Mrs. Silka, Miss Brahms, Miss Lovelock, and Captain Peacock scream at seeing Mr. Rumbold in the walls. He barges into Mavis and Humphrey's room, bolts the door, and climbs into bed with them. So now it's the three <laughs> of them in the bed, right? And oh Mr. Humphreys doesn't know what to make of this whatsoever, right? Because he's, first of all, he's scared of the supernatural thing that Mavis has just started telling him about. And now the father of the girl that he's sharing a bed with is also in bed with him, which is kind of far-fetched altogether and i love how he says uh, mavis says um why why uh, no sorry, mr Moulter says how's everything in here and what what's going on dad there's something very strange going on out there and then <laughs> mr humphrey says good to know that everything's quite normal in here <laughs> such a i love that he always you know think about it he often has the last word in these episodes doesn't he that little yeah, humphrey's kind of joke been. at the end has been now, so. and um, that friends is the episode. And that's it. Yeah, Miss yeah. Heather, what did you think of uh, of this episode? This is one of my favorites, I guess, because of the Scooby Doo element of it. Yeah, you don't get to see them do that very often. I think this is one of the only, like this and one other episode with the um that's going to come up in a little bit with the the cat in the wall. Mm. The cat in the wall. Those Gosh. are the only well, two listen. really. Well, we can. Uh, we do have to buy some buy some OSHA laws, and we we hear that your cutie little kiddo, uh, Ms. Elizabeth, probably needs a, a feeding of something or maybe a rocking. So we're going to make this fast because you are entitled to one fifteen minute break. Thank you. <laughs> um, but next episode, we're going to talk about the, we finally see these Yankee Americans that they've been worrying about for weeks. It seems now, but really just two episodes. Um, I have a theory about one of the Americans. We'll have to wait until next episode to hear that. Ooh, hot take from Mr. Brandon. Yeah, it has something to do with with, uh, Absolutely Fabulous. Ooh. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see see you make this jump. (laughs) If I remember. Um, But, hey, if you want to get in touch with us, like everyone else seems to have gotten to us this last week, uh, you can get in touch on Facebook, Twitter, write us an email at thatdoessuitmadam with an E at gmail.com. Uh, love hearing from our fans. Love hearing our voicemails. Thank you, Victoria, for that. You can call the Peacock Hotline and leave us one of those voicemails at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And you can help us pay the light bills at this musty old silo and grab some merchandise at the Bargain Basement Shop at imfree.threadless.com. And with that, Mr. Jeff and Ms. Heather, as we always say, you've all done very well.
Bye. Bye, Unanimous. Bye. 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 Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? While we regularly inspect the electrical network to ensure you enjoy a reliable electric supply, there will be occasions which cause the supply to be interrupted. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well.